630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Now through the neutral zone comes Connor McDavid. Double team, got it back. Great shot, score. What a beautiful move. Deep backhand, went back to the forehand. And welcome back, Connor. His sixth goal of the season is a work of art. Riley, he's going to keep it. He hits the five. Hey, Edmonton, that's your quarterback. Mike Riley to the end zone. Touchdown, Eskimo. Ladies and gentlemen, Dagger. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chet. The NHL second round ends tonight. Game seven. Nashville. San Jose, the winner, will face the St. Louis Blues. My goodness, they blew out the Dallas Stars in their Game 7. Last night, Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh on the other side of the draw. That series starts tomorrow. Don't forget, both Conference Finals and the Stanley Cup Final. Broadcast right here on 6.30, Chad, will start tomorrow with Game 1 between the Bolts and the Pens. The Edmonton Eskimos, man. Coming off a championship season, a championship lineup for some halftime entertainment, some significant changes for Commonwealth Stadium, tons going on there. We'll talk about that as we move along tonight. Thanks for tuning in. It is Inside Sports on 630 Chet. It is 6.06. My name is Reed Wilkins. Good to have you along for the ride. Obviously, you won't be hearing from me uh, tomorrow because we're going to start bringing you the hockey, the short-term schedule for the conference finals. As I mentioned, tomorrow at 6 on 6.30, Chad, Game 1, Tampa Bay at Pittsburgh. On Sunday at 6, either San Jose or Nashville at St. Louis. Monday at 6, Game 2, Tampa Bay at Pittsburgh. And then we'll keep rolling from there. So uh, the game uh, tonight we'll keep you updated on. And then live play-by-play Friday, Sunday, Monday, and continuing into the third round. That's going to be a lot of fun. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace. Home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can finish this, uh, You can visit actionfurnace.ca. I'm going to get uh, more in-depth into some of the Eskimo stuff a little bit later on in the show as we bring in Matthew Panashik, who is uh, camped out on the other side of the window as the studio operator. Oh, so you have a guest in there. It's okay. Just Chris Tobias come in to say well, hello. He's an important member of uh, the Course Entertainment uh, team. He is. Very important. All right. You know what this is? this is uh, i believe it's oh i don't know i'm trying to think hard reading i can't you're no smarter than me you're no more plugged into what the kids are listening to than i am i'm not you know that as i found out this afternoon is flow rider it's spelled like florida except it's two words and there's a capital r sometimes you gotta stay all right, anyway, apparently uh, that song gets used by the WWE. How about this? Flo Rida, one of the biggest acts in the world, is playing halftime in an Edmonton Eskimos game this summer, July 23rd against Hamilton. I put that, I, I put that out on Twitter. I was at the Eskimos announcement today. A couple of people on Twitter thought I was joking. I got the, yeah, right, Reed. No, I'm serious. 
Flo Rida's playing halftime of an Eskimos game, July 23rd against the Hamilton Tiger Cats. One of many announcements made today by the Edmonton Eskimos, and we'll get to some of them in more detail as we uh, we move along. And you'll also hear from uh, Eskimos President Len Rhodes. So Flo Rida, just reinforcing what we already know, all the best acts have two names. Def Leppard, Bon Jovi, Van Halen, Flo Rida. Am I right? You're correct, buddy. Well, I thought you would know that song. I'm a little surprised. Yeah, but I'm in my 40s. You can't expect me to know a lot about popular music. Sorry, buddy. I'm going to desert. Listening to. I'm the one who's going to desert trip in October. So, oh, is that the one with McCartney and the yeah. Stones and all those? Well, I managed fun. to get tickets somehow. I don't know how, but I did. So, all right. I you can always text us at 6:30-6:30. The phone number is 780-496-0063. Got some Taylor Hall coming up. Big performance today for Canada at the Worlds. I want to read a text message, though, that came in. It was actually intended for Jalen and Andrew, but this person took the time to send it in, and it's a very topical text, so I'm going to read it. Uh, This individual says, Hi, Jalen and Andrew. With all the idiots who don't understand what a fire ban is, and all the idiots who don't realize that cigarettes start fires, and all the dipsticks that still text while they drive, can all the radio stations get together and scream the message? Most people listen to the radio at some point in the day. Please start a radio campaign to target all the dummies who don't think these things apply to them. Greatly appreciated. Thanks. All right. Well, I'm happy to read this message on Inside Sports. I just want to remind people, there is a website, albertafirebands.ca, if you don't understand what you're allowed to do and what you're not allowed to do. In these conditions, and given what has happened in this province, and I'm sorry if I'm going to be a little preachy here, if you're not sure, just don't burn it. Just don't ignite it. But here's exactly what it says on the website. I'll just, I'll just read a part of it. All open fires including campfires and charcoal briquettes, are prohibited. Portable propane fire pits and gas or propane stoves and barbecues designed for cooking or heating are allowed. So uh, you can barbecue, but you can't have an open fire. And you should still be careful if you're uh, barbecuing. Again, uh, all fire permits are suspended. No new fire permits will be issued. More details. All you have to do is go to Alberta Fire Bands. .ca or Google Alberta Fire Bands. Pretty sure almost everybody has a computer or a phone or access to one or both at parts during the day, if you're not sure. That texter took the time to write in. It is an important message. It's super dry out there. Okay. Uh, Team Canada winning today at Worlds 5-2 over Germany. Bit of a tense one for Canada as they remain undefeated at the tournament. It it was 2-0 Canada. Germany tied at 2-2. It went 2-2 into the third. Taylor Hall wound up scoring twice. Connor McDavid was great in the third period. They uh, juggled the lines a little bit. McDavid was on a line with Taylor Hall and uh, Matt Duchesne. If you watched this game or you saw the highlights, try and check out the highlights. Connor McDavid got called for a penalty that... (laughs) I mean, if, if this was one of those calls that happened in an Oilers game, and then Rob and I were taking your calls and texts after the game. That would be all we'd be talking about. What an atrocious call it was. I don't know. Did you get to see it, Matthew? No, I missed it, Reed. Connor McDavid drives the net, gets tripped, and slides into the German goaltender and gets called for goalie interference. That uh, sounds it, like a tripping it was, call. It was horrific. It's one of the, it was probably it's the worst call I've seen today. 
maybe this month. But anyway, McDavid was dynamic, especially in the third, made a great pass to set up Taylor Hall for a goal in the third period. Canada winds up getting the victory, and uh, Taylor Hall says McDavid is getting more comfortable at Worlds. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, you're a young guy, and you don't know what to expect, and it's been a while since you played on the big ice, so um, I think what makes the best players in the world the best uh, players in the world is that they, you know, they go after the game, they take the game upon themselves, and, um, you know, they show everyone what, you know, what their skill set is, and I think you're, maybe the first game you didn't see that from Connor, but since then, he's been great. And Hall, glad to be on a line with McDavid for the last half of this game. Uh, it went really well. We, um, uh, we had a, a great third period as a team. I mean, we, we didn't have a, our first two periods weren't our best. And, um, you know, we know that we needed to have a, a great third as a team. And, and uh, fortunately, Connor and I had some success. So we've actually had some shifts uh, together sporadically throughout the tournament and played really well together. So it's fun. Well, and here's the thing to get back to an Oilers theme. I don't think it's impossible that Connor McDavid and Taylor Hall can play together. On the, on the Edmonton Oilers. I, I know when they, they were on the same line this past season, it didn't go great together. I wouldn't want to write that off for the duration of their careers as Edmonton Oilers. I, I think it can work. I think it immediately worked better with other wingers for Connor McDavid. Clearly, Connor McDavid is the centerpiece of the team now. That means he's probably going to have a variety of wingers in the coming season and in the seasons to come. So they, they were very productive today for Team Canada. Now, granted, the German team has some NHL-caliber players on it. A lot of guys from the, the German Elite League, so it's not quite the same level of consistent competition. The international game is a little bit different. But, I, you know, I, I, I always cringe a little bit when people say, well, it can't be on the same line. Can't be on the same line. Can't have Hall and McDavid on the same line. I, I flat out don't agree with that. I know, and I know that I'm... The evidence from this past season goes against what I'm saying. And usually I'm the guy telling you the best measure of future performance is is past performance. And, and I believe that, um, but I don't think it's impossible that that they can be productive players on the same line with whoever as the right winger. I know Hall likes to transport the puck. I, I know McDavid's fast. He likes to carry it through the neutral zone. But I, I think there's... There are, you know, these guys are both really good players. They're the two best offensive players on the Oilers. I think there's a, a way for these guys to be on the same line and be productive when needed. Maybe not for 82 games. Maybe it's 30. Maybe it's 20. Maybe it's 60. But just given the skill set of those players, I, I, I mean, I don't think that you'd go into the season saying that they're never on the same line. That's all I'm saying. 7804960063 you can text 63630 Taylor Hall also talking about Canada improving to 4 and 0 at Worlds. Yeah, certainly we're confident, but I think you see in the first two periods that everyone's going to bring their best, you know, their best game for us and uh, if if you follow the World Championships the the tournament doesn't really start until the quarterfinals, so we have to keep building until then and and that's when the show really starts. All right, and you can get the full Taylor Hall interview by going to the Oilers Now page on 630Ched.com. He called in to Bob Stoffer right after that 5-2 win over Germany. The Blue Jays, by the way, off tonight. They will play at Texas tomorrow. We got the Game 7 in the NHL coming up in about 45 minutes. In the NBA tonight, 
The Spurs are at the Thunder, and Oklahoma City can finish off the upset. 12 wins behind the Spurs in the regular season, but they're up 3-2 in that best of seven. We will go over some of the highlights from the Eskimos announcement today, including some of the entertainment, uh, a new way that Eskimos legends are going to be honored, details on what the uniforms are going to look like, all ahead inside sports on 630 Chet. news and expert opinion inside sports with reed wilkins on 630 chad hey hey how you doing inside sports on 630 chad at 621 really appreciate you tuning in tonight kelly rudy coming up mike heike from the dallas morning news to talk about the dallas stars game seven loss will go to florida matt salmon host for the Tampa Bay Lightning radio broadcast. They are back in the East Final. Oh, how about this? It's 7.30 tonight, Matthew. You watch Trailer Park Boys? I do. Hilarious show. The actor who plays J-Rock, Jonathan Torrance, will join us in about an hour and 15 minutes. Oh, nice. How about that? Love that That'll show. Be fun. Do you know who his favorite NHL team is? I'm going to say the Oilers. The Edmonton Oilers. The Edmonton Oilers. Awesome. Yeah. So Jonathan Torrance, after the 7.30 news. Now, I believe, though, he is no longer on the Trailer Park Boys. I believe he recently stepped away from the show. So we'll find out why. How does that sound? Sounds good. I want to I know why, that's for sure. I think he's going to tell us. I think he's going to tell us. All right. Uh, that's coming up. A couple of texts to 6.30, 6.30. Uh, Scott says, hey, Reed, I was just curious. Who do you think the Oilers will likely draft this year, or do you think there's a better trade out there for the draft pick? Well, I think Peter Shirelli is really looking to trade the pick. I don't think he'll do it till right at the draft to try to uh, maximize it. I just think Shirelli thinks you can still get a pretty good player if he winds up moving down a bit, or he uh, trades it for a defenseman who can jump in. I think Shirelli had the first season in here. He knows what's happened in Edmonton, and I, I, I think him and McClellan and, and a lot of the players and all of you are like, all right, let's get going. We got McDavid. We won We won the once-in-a-lifetime lottery. Let's get going. Okay? We don't want to go from 29th to 25th. I think they want to go, I don't know if it's realistic, but I think they want to go from 29th to 15th. I think that's his goal. Kirk says, Taylor Hall is the best player for Team Canada. Have you watched any games yet? Why is he so hated? He's MVP for Canada now. The Oilers have to keep him. All right. Well, there's a, there's a debate we've been over a few times. Taylor Hall is a very good hockey player, and he's not the reason the Oilers have uh, missed the playoffs every year since he got drafted. Lots of Eskimos news today. Man, what a, what a rollout they did at Commonwealth Stadium this afternoon. You, you can get complete details on 630Ched.com. I am going to go over some of them. Morley Scott will have more details in the Eskimos show 4 p.m. on Sunday right here on 630Ched. And Morley was talking to President and CEO Len Rhodes about some changes for the Eskimos' Wall of Honor. 
we're uh, bringing 30 banners. Those are 8 feet by 16 feet high, and all 30 uh, players that are on the Wall of Honor will also be featured in the concourse. It brings uh, respect the moment the fans walk in, glance at our history, and it brings it brings up the whole concourse as well. All right, now there's a lot of things going on with the schedule, musical guests, everything. Give me your highlights. Give me a couple of minutes worth of your highlights and what people can expect. I guess starting with that first preseason game, which is going to be a pretty big deal, especially if you like pork. Ah, Porkapalooza. 40,000 people are expected over the course of three days. And when we have our preseason game, we're having our game right in the middle of this festival. So uh, there's a concert series as well with Porkapalooza. All the proceeds will now be going to supporting the fire rebuilt for uh, Fort McMurray. That is amazing. Gord Bamford, one of the acts, will be playing at halftime at our game. So this could be the largest pregame we've ever had in our history. And you combine that with Saskatchewan in the house. It's incredible. We've partnered with Rockfest. We're going to have 54-40, great Canadian band coming in at halftime for another game. And then the one that a lot of the younger fans have asked us for, Flow Rida. We've invested significant dollars there, and uh, Flow Rida will be performing at halftime. And you know, this is a quality of equivalent to Grey Cup. So we're spending, we're investing all the monies that we make to put back into this business so that our fans feel proud when they come to this stadium. Lots to soak in here, so if you want to get check out the acts and the dates and everything, head to the Eskimos website because I'm sure all the details are there for you to have a look at. Uh, go back, Lynn. Uh, you arrived four years ago, I think it is. Uh, this building has changed so much since your arrival and since you took over as president. Some of it was in the works when you got here, but you've carried on that. And uh, I mean, from say 2010, 2011, uh, this building completely different look. You know, when I arrived in 2011, Morley, I looked at it and I had fresh eyes. It's almost a syndrome like when you live in your own house, you don't see the mess sometimes or the things that get outdated. And your real estate agent will say, you need a facelift or visitors come. It was the same here. When I came in, there were some things that were obvious to me in terms of a need for upgrades. However, we have limited resources. We can allocate so much in a year. But I've gotten the backing of the board of directors to really say, if you can bring in extra revenue, we're allowing you to reinvest back into the stadium. One of them I'm really proud of coming this, uh, this year is a party deck in the north end zone. In two sections, FF and NN, it's going to be a stand-up social bar. You can go and stand there. There's no seats. We're removing the seats. It's a place where people can have sociability, be with your best friends, uh, have a beer with them and just celebrate. And younger fans especially, the teens and the young adults have asked us to have more areas where they can stand up and interact with their friends. All right, so that's Len Rhodes talking to Morley Scott. The Eskimos had their season launch for the media this afternoon. I want to remind you, by the way, until 8 o'clock tonight in the quarterback club at Commonwealth Stadium, you can enter at Gate 9 across from the LRT station. They have a fan event there. It's free. You can meet players. You can play Madden Xbox against Odell Willis. They have uh, prizes. They got a DJ, all that kind of stuff. Free parking in the stadium lot. So you can go there until 8 o'clock. The Eskimos, they're going to have those Wall of Honor flags around the concourse. Also, the actual names from the Wall of Honor are being moved down to the field level facing. They'll have the LED ring of lighting around the facing of the upper deck. Len Rhodes mentioned the, uh, the party decks. The uniforms have been tweaked, not major changes. Some cha changes to the stripings on the green jerseys. The green helmets and the green pants are done for the road uniform. It's going to be the gold helmet, white jersey, and gold pants. They will wear the signature jerseys 
with the green helmet with the giant EE logo twice. The Labor Day rematch and then the last game of the season, November 5th against Toronto. The tackle hunger game, July 8th against Saskatchewan. And yeah, flow rider, July 23rd against Hamilton. Hey, this is Jordan Everly from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chet. Thanks for tuning in tonight, folks. Uh, half an hour or so away from face-off between Nashville and San Jose. One of those teams will be in the Western Conference Final. I know I picked both to lose in the first round. One of them is going to be in the third round. Tampa Bay and Pittsburgh start tomorrow. Uh, Spurs and Thunder in the NBA. We'll keep an eye on that one for you as uh, well. The Western Hockey League final extended to Game 5. Seattle winning big last night over Brandon. I'll get to Brian on the phone line in a, uh, a second here. Uh, two texts I want to read quickly. Sam G., Good to hear from him. He says, Reed, I hear you're going to have the game broadcast tomorrow. I hope I don't have to listen to Mike Lang broadcast the game. It's so annoying to me every time the Penguins score, he has to come up with something silly to say. Uh, aren't we taking the Rogers uh, radio feed again? We are. Yeah, okay. So it will not be Mike Lang, Sam. I hope that makes you feel better. Uh, Graham says, okay, crazy trade proposal time. Nugent Hopkins, Eberly, the fourth overall, and Sekera for Ekman Larson and Domi and a salary dump player from the Coyotes, then sign Jason Demers. Okay, first of all, well, not first of all, the only thing I have to say about that is I will have to remind everybody, Andre Sekera has a no-move clause. That means you cannot trade him without his consent, and I doubt he's suddenly going to waive it uh, in the middle of the summer going into year two of a six-year deal. So anything with Sekera uh, is, well, yes, you're right, Graham. It is a crazy trade proposal and an un unrealistic one. That's okay, though. You, you, I know you all know how I love trade proposals, especially on May 12th as we bring in Brian on the line. <laughs> Brian, how are you doing, man? Good, read yourself. Doing great. Uh, so I just wanted to uh, mention, I, I don't think anybody's brought it up yet, that, uh, I mean, and I'm figuring that the final, Stanley Cup final is going to be Pittsburgh-St. Louis. And um, that'll be the first time that two of the original six teams, the uh, ex original six expansion teams... The original 12. Met, pardon me? The original 12, as they're called, yes. Well, the original six expansion. Yeah. Yeah. The, it'll be the first time that two of the original six expansion have ever met in the finals. You know what? That's a good point. I guess it will be. Um, yeah, because Pittsburgh has played Detroit and... Oh, wait a minute. Didn't Pittsburgh play Minnesota? I don't believe Pittsburgh so. Pittsburgh played Minnesota in 1991, didn't they? But that would have... Minnesota, Minnesota North Stars? Yeah. Because remember, that's that goal Mario scored when he went through the two uh, Minnesota players that they always show on Hockey Night in Canada? Yeah, Minnesota and Pittsburgh played. Was that the final? Yeah, that was the 91 final. Remember, because wow. the, the, the Stars beat the Oilers in the Campbell Conference final? Yeah. Am I, I'm, am I right, Matthew? You're correct. Yeah, okay. I think you're right. So, but it hasn't happened. I don't think it's, you still make a good point. The six teams that came into the league in 67 
were the uh, California Seals, the L.A. Yeah, Kings. There was Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, California Golden Seals, Minnesota North Stars. And St. Louis uh, and Philly. And St. Louis, yeah. St. Now, Louis Philly. Philly has been in the final against who? Buffalo, who was a later expansion team. Uh, who they, else? They were the first of the uh, yeah. expanded expansion. Philly, played the, Philly lost to the Islanders. They lost to Edmonton. They lost to Chicago. Who did Philly beat for their other Stanley Cup? They beat Buffalo and... Oh, now was it Boston? It was. It wouldn't have been another. Uh, or it wouldn't have been another expansion team. I can't believe I forgot this. I think, I think it was Boston. It might have been right. Boston. Uh, list of now. I'm just googling stuff on the fly. Thank goodness for Google. Eh? I don't have to remember anything. Uh, okay, but <laughs> but you make it. You make an interesting point. It, it from though that set of six teams, California never lasted. Right. <laughs> uh, uh, Pittsburgh didn't get good for quite a while. Okay, well, here, he, is, here's a question first, for you. Here's a question for you, Brian. Is, is, if, to me, Philadelphia, despite Pittsburgh having more cups, Philadelphia has been the most successful franchise out of those second six teams in terms of consistently being good. I, I, would, I would agree with that. I mean, they've, they've constantly had a competitive team uh, almost since well, yeah, I'd say almost since day one, really. Um, you know, having said that, consistency really can't be judged when, when uh, for what, up until 19, what would it be, 70, 71, I think, was the next expansion when Vancouver and Buffalo came in. Yeah, and Buffalo got pretty good in the 70s, right? Yeah, they well, they had the French Connection yeah. and, um, you know, Gosh, that was probably the number one line for a good almost half dozen years in the NHL. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I was born in '74, so I'm not quite old enough to remember those guys in their prime. But yeah, and I mean, Minnesota. I mean, St. Louis made the finals their first three years in the league, but the league was rigged to guarantee one of the expansion teams to be in the final. Well, yeah, because you had the West Division, which was the uh, original, uh, was, which was the original six expansion, right? And the East Division, which was the original six. Yeah, um, I so I, I think it's, I, I think St. Louis should be tonight's winner. Here's the thing for Pittsburgh and Tampa Bay. I know Pittsburgh is is playing great. Obviously, they have Crosby, who's still one of, if not the best players in the game. I just wonder if Bishop can steal that series. As good as the Penguins goaltender has been. You know what I mean? I wonder if Bishop can 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 be the difference for the Lightning. I don't think so. I, I really, you know, I mean, Washington, I mean, let's give credit where credit's due. I mean, Washington had a hell of a season. Yes. And, you know, granted, Pittsburgh was the hot team in the second half. I mean, they were hotter than Washington was in the second half. True. And Tampa Bay, uh, maybe they had the second-best second half in the NHL. Uh, yeah, they were pretty good. We got Matt Salmon on the show a little bit later on. But, yeah, they – they. I mean, yeah, first half of the season, I think Tampa Bay, they weren't even looking like they were going to make the playoffs, right? And, I mean, anything's possible. I mean, it, it wouldn't be the first time that a goalie has stood on his head – and has you know won a series. Let's look at J.S. Giguere. I mean, he 
pretty much won it for uh, for Anaheim that one year. Well, he got the and don't forget Jaguar got the con Smythe on the losing team in 2003 when they well, lost exactly. to the Devils. Yeah, and then and I think that's only happened uh, it's like four or five times. times. Yeah, thought so Hextall did it. Uh, I think somebody did it for the – didn't Glenn Hall do it for the Blues? You're really testing my memory here. <laughs> right. But, yeah, I, I not – so – I think you're right. I think Glenn Hall got it. I think, and I, for some reason, I want to say Jerry Cheevers might have gotten it once too. Yeah, we'll we'll check that on the fly as we move along. But I, I did – 91, the Penguins beat the North Stars uh, in six. So that was the – that's the only – First wave of expansion matchup in the history of the NHL. So good, good call on that. Your 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 point is well taken. It hasn't it hasn't happened a lot. Thanks for calling, buddy. Have a good one. That's Brian checking in, and Alex has dialed in as well. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Hey, Alex. Hi. Thanks for having me on. How are you? Doing great. Good man. Bringing back lots of memories about uh, uh, ninety one, ninety two. You know when the Oilers uh, lost in the semis there and. Uh, also thought about, you know, what never happened was when uh, Gretzky obviously got uh, sold to L.A. We never did get to see uh, him go head-to-head against Mario in a cup final. That would have been cool. Yeah. But uh, just, just thinking back, you know, uh, you're talking about uh, uh, Philadelphia beating Boston and, those, and then uh, Buffalo back-to-back years, the uh, – uh, you know the, the what is it Broad Street Bullies out there that they go by? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, that crazy team with Seleski and uh, the Hammer and right. and uh, the, uh, uh, Kelly and all those guys. But um, I think uh, I'd really like to see St. Louis win it all now. And I, I guess because they lo- you know they lost three Stanley Cups in a row back when the West was playing against the East, twelve yep. teams. And, uh, you know, they've lost against uh, Boston and Montreal, and I, I forget the other team. It was Montreal twice. It was Montreal 68 right. and 69. Boston in 70. The Blues did not win a game. 12 That's nothing. Right. Yeah. And who was in Nets again without the mask? And was that uh, – it wasn't Johnny Bauer. Who was it there? He lives on the West Coast. Well, did they, can you can you look up uh, Matthew? Can you look, can you look up Con Smythe winners? I mean, I wasn't born, but but didn't Glenn Hall wind up playing for the Blues? That's the guy. Yeah. I think that's the guy. <laughs> I still look at those old those old reels and I see him. And it, as late as 1970, the guy was playing with no mask and as an NHL goalie. Oh, I mean, you know what, Alex? If you go back. <laughs> If you go back and read some of the old rules and and playing styles and equipment in pick a sport, I, I wish I could. Alex, is, if you listen to the show, you know we come up, people call in, and I randomly remember stuff, but I can't remember where I found it. If you go and look back at rule changes in the NFL, it yeah. used to be legal to tackle a guy by the face mask. Yeah, and then they probably realized like, oh, we're like guys are getting severe neck injuries and it's dangerous, so maybe we should make them tackle properly. Because, but when you think about it, the helmets in football didn't originally have face masks, so then they started having the single bar, or the double bar, and guys were grabbing yeah. it, right? That's right. Uh, yeah, anyway, they were actually just uh, leather helmets too, weren't they? <laughs> I think yeah, back probably in like the the twenties and thirties. I'd love to yeah. go back in time and watch an old NFL or CFL game. I mean, like hockey, I think you could still find a lot of similarities. Like the equipment's different, but strategically, yeah. the basics of the game. I just think football is is has evolved so much in the in the style and the strategy. 
Yeah. And, you know, thinking about going back and seeing old games, I'd love to go see back, go back there and see the Rocket in his heyday, stuff like that. Yeah, like how hard he could shoot it and how intense he was and oh, how he exactly, got open. The intensity. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so Philly uh, won the final in 74 and 75, and then they lost it in 76. So they made three straight finals. So, yeah, they were there. Yeah, that's right. And I remember back then, too, like, it's funny how things turn. We know you're uh, like, I hated Montreal. We were a Toronto Maple Leaf fan growing up, and David Keon and was the, was the, you know, the, my mom's hero, eh, you know, and, and then uh, when the, when the Flyers won in seventy four seventy five, it was uh, we didn't mind it so much because the Canadians weren't winning. But then we hated them and we wanted Montreal, believe it or not, to finally beat them. And it was like, <laughs> yeah. And then and then I still remember when Larry Robinson just just hammered uh, uh, the hammer when Schulte just just beat the crap out of him in one of those. I'm not too sure what it was, but uh, man, Larry Robinson, if you got him angry, he would just. Yeah, Bob often talks about that. Alex, thanks for calling, buddy. I'll talk to you again, okay? Okay, thanks for having me on. Okay, it's 646. Tell you what we're going to do. we got to take a quick timeout, and then we got to bring in Kelly Rudy to tee up Game 7 and share some of his Game 7 memories as a player. You're listening to 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Game 7 between Nashville and San Jose will start just after 7 o'clock from the NHL on Rogers panel, former goaltender Kelly Rudy. Kelly, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. How about you, Reed? Yeah, doing very well. I'm excited about another Game 7 coming up tonight. Uh, two teams, I think Nashville and San Jose, most of us didn't have getting out of the first round, and now one of them goes to the Western Conference Final tonight. And uh, it's just a unique series. Just when you think San Jose might take a a grip on it. Uh, Nashville fights their way back into it, and uh, there's that was so evident to the last game where San Jose jumps out to a quick two nothing lead, and things don't look very good. And, and by the end of the period, it was uh, Nashville that clearly looked like the better team and more determined team, and ended up winning. So uh, this should be a fantastic uh, game seven tonight. We all hope so, anyways. Well, Nashville's an interesting club, Kelly, because they've been a, a, a pretty decent team for you know 10 12 years um maybe a second tier team a lot of that time built around goaltending and defense um you know the interesting i mean a couple weeks ago i did a big thing on a guy like like craig smith right he's not a star player but he's going to get you 21 24 goals and and they Mm -hmm. seem to have some guys this year this the scoring spread around a little bit they have guys who go to the net and 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 they stay alive and and they don't give up a lot of easy goals at the other end yeah and um you know you look at some of these guys and just character guys like mike fisher that's done such a great job a guy like james neal that historically has taken bad penalties at the wrong time hasn't done that this year in these playoffs and the big trade that they made this year ryan johansson i mean there are He's got so many qualities and some things you'd really like to see a big improvement like grit and determination and so on, but you can't deny how talented he is. I mean, he's made some plays in this series that, uh, you know, your jaw drops. That's how talented the guy is. And uh, then down the lineup, Salamaki is a guy that has really improved all season long on their fourth line. And so you're right, it's it's a team not really with many stars, so to speak, other than Shea Weber and Yossi, but it's a team that's really, really deep and uh, maybe the best 3-4 tandem on the back end with Allison Eckholm. 
Uh, I got to ask you about uh, Game Sevens. You played in a couple famous ones that I can remember off the uh, off the yeah. top of my head. It, and I always ask you both sides of the coin, and I hate to drag your memory through the mud as I often do. That's all good. <laughs> uh, do you have a Game Seven highlight and low light from your career? Well, I played in four of them. Uh, I was lucky enough to play uh, on the winning side for three of those. Lost one in Philadelphia. My first year in uh, going to Game 7s was 87. And, of course, people remember the Easter epic that it's dubbed. And uh, we ended up winning in uh, quadruple overtime, Pat LaFontaine. So, of course, that is a, a highlight of mine. Kind of put me on the uh, radar for people around the league to sort of take notice. Um, and then the next round, we went to seven games versus Philadelphia, and that was my low light, of course. Uh, we ended up losing 5-1, and I've never forgotten the goal. We were down 2 nothing in the first period, which, although that's, that's not good, it, it's not insurmountable. And uh, I just let in a terrible goal to make it 3 nothing for Philadelphia. Brad Marsh was at the point, and he had fired a shot, which I was unsure. I thought it might be going just a hair wide, so I tried to get my stick on it to deflect it to go to ensure that it went wide, and it hit the shaft of my stick and, and uh, ricocheted in behind me, and we're down 3 nothing. And pretty much at that point, Reed, I knew that uh, we were going to lose that game, that series, and, and that was a tough pill to swallow when, when you really think that you're a big part of the loss. And then, of course, went on in 89, uh, the Kings versus the Oilers. That was Gretzky's first year as an L.A. King. We met the Oilers for a seven-game series uh, back on home ice in Los Angeles, which i got to tell you, I played – in those four, three of them were on the road, and I found that a little bit more comforting than I did at home because it's so nerve-wracking at home, and, and your head just gets filled with fear about you're going to lose at home and uh, disgraceful, embarrass, all those sorts of things, which you shouldn't feel, and you should, you know, your brain, your head should be uncluttered going into it, but I really felt pressure in that one. And then lastly, in 93, when uh, we, the Kings, played in uh, the Toronto Maple Leaf Gardens, Game 7, the winner going on to the Stanley Cup Finals that year. And, of course, everybody remembers Gretzky getting the hat trick in that game. We went on to win 5-4, and that was uh, absolutely uh, thrilling. I remember at the end of the game, Luke Robitaille came down to congratulate me and all our teammates, and I kept looking at him, and we kept saying to each other, we're going to the Stanley Cup Finals, and we just kept repeating it and <laughs> repeating it. It was, it was that emotional, and uh, boy, Game 7s are exactly like what you've been reading all week, Reed, when players are saying, like Jason Spezza said going into last night's game, that uh, he's played a million or so of these, and uh, all in his driveway back home growing up, and that's how we all grow, grew up thinking of playing game seven and when you get to do it the, the feeling is just amazing when you walk out of the locker room and you're waiting to hit the ice and just the adrenaline that's going through your body it's it's a really cool experience wasn't the uh game seven you guys the kings won in toronto the gretzky hatrick didn't he get the one goal he banked in off dave ellett's skate that's right i uh, mean he meant to do it right i mean that wasn't a fluke I don't know. I, you don't? <laughs> I've, never asked, I, I've never asked Wayne. Maybe I don't want to know the answer. But I, I know most people think that it was uh, on purpose, and, and I really didn't care, nor do I. All I know is that Mike Donnelly scored, I'm going to say it's about four minutes left in the third period to put us up 4-3, uh, and then about a minute later, Wayne scored that goal to put us up 5-3, which 
I really thought we needed that two-goal cushion because Toronto was a great team. They had Gilmore that was playing the best hockey of his life. They had Wendell Clark. They had Dave Ellett. They had all these unbelievable guys. And uh, uh, I wasn't surprised when they scored late in the game to make it to 5-4, but we hung on. And I just one of the memories I remember so vividly, and I had to calm myself down, was after Wayne scored that uh, goal late in the third period, um, you'll recall that year, Wayne's dad was having some health issues and uh, uh, Walter was in the stands and Wayne, of course, knew where he was sitting. And I happened to glance over at the bench when uh, Wayne sat down after coming back after scoring the goal and he clenched both of his fists. You could see in his gloves and he kind of motioned over to his dad and it looked like a really cool emotional exchange between the two of them. And I kind of had to, divert my eyes because I didn't want to get caught up in that moment. I still knew that we had what something like three or so minutes left to hang on. And, but it was, it was very cool. And then I, I know the cameras did catch it and I was able to sort of watch it in a better frame of mind uh, afterwards. That's an amazing story. Kelly Rudy joining us tonight, Inside Sports on 6.30. Chet, all right, speaking of goaltending, and you and I talked about the goaltending for the Dallas Stars uh, when you were on last week and you mentioned yeah. – wasn't looking good, and then it it did look good, and then and then last night yeah. it, it 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 didn't look good again. I mean, you just and I mean you can always debate, screen deflected, you know whatever. But all all, all the all the all you know is it it goes in or or it didn't, and, and I mean it was just turned into an avalanche against them last night. And that's the frustrating thing, and I'm sure I used that word last week with uh, in describing Kari Lettman. Here's this guy that's immensely talented, but at 31 years old, he's just never been able to figure out the mental part of it. Um, and, and, and he, you know, he's made boatload of money, but it's just it's so frustrating when you watch a guy that the previous two games, he was a rock star. And why, when it's the biggest game of his, National Hockey League career because he fails so miserably. And and his coach today said he should have pulled him earlier because he looked rattled. It's just, man, it's so frustrating when you see a guy that he could be right near the top if, if he is able to, to ever figure that out. But, I mean, at that age and after this length of being in the league, you, you have to assume that that will never get corrected. Well, I've never seen a team win and win the Stanley Cup with even average goaltending. You got to be above, or you got to be excellent. And uh, I mean, here I got a funny stat for you, and this is one of those that you know take it for what you will. The team that has led the NHL in goals for in the regular season has not won the Stanley Cup since the '92 Penguins. I didn't know that, but that does not surprise me. And the the great example, I suppose this year would be, well, two of them. One still playing, and another got eliminated in the first round, but you look, two teams have turned their season around this year, and it's because of great defensive hockey, great play in the neutral zone and muddying up that area, and both Anaheim and Pittsburgh. Those are the two teams that made the biggest uh, changes to the style of play, and everybody bought in, and you look at Pittsburgh, I mean, they've got to be one of the favorites now, and then that's playing with a 21-year-old goaltender. So it tells you how effective they are systems-wise. Yeah, for sure. Kelly, uh, it's been great. Uh, you're at the halfway point, buddy, of, of being away from home. Round two ends tonight. Uh, thanks a lot for making time for us. We'll talk to you as the playoffs move on. You got it. Thanks, pal. Kelly, Rudy, checking in. Game seven just minutes away between the Sharks 
and the Predators. In the next hour of Inside Sports, Mike Heike from the Dallas Morning News, post-mortem on the Stars, and J-Rock from Trailer Park Boys, Jonathan Torrens as well. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.